successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Get out of Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host Jason Grill. I appreciate you joining us today on 980 AM. And also on iTunes via podcast and at GrillNationShow.com. We are going to have a fun show today. I'm excited to have on one of our contributors to the Grill Nation show. We'll get to him in just a second. Before we start, I want to thank our title sponsors of the show. They are Trust, MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Advisors in Ryan Rink. As I mentioned, we have contributors to the Grill Nation show as well and guest co-hosts and on-air contributors. They are the Rieger and Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, KCADC, Kansas City Area Development Council, and today's uh, contributor, guest co-host, partner of the show, Brian Sarf with True Wealth and Company. Their website is retirewithtrue.com. Brian uh, comes on each and every month on the show and and uh, always brings on an awesome guest. We have a lot of fun and we learn a lot about what they're doing and also ways that uh, they can help you and uh, and make your life even better. So I want to bring in Brian Sarf from True Wealth and Company to introduce our guest today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Brian, how are you today? Hey, great, buddy. Thanks for having me here. Looking forward to a uh, phenomenal show. It's always fun uh, the first first week of the month Can yeah, you come in. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Last month we had JJ on for Jasper's. <laughs> oh. And Dude, that, tore one it up. Blew up. that one blew up. Yeah. Man, that was a fun show. Yeah, he's fun uh, there. I've been really looking forward to uh, visiting with uh, Pascal Hen. Uh, her and I booked this a few months ago, and I've worked with Pascal for a number of years. Uh, she's just been a phenomenal strategic partner for our business, helped a lot of people uh, get their uh, legal affairs and, and their business law and corporate law in order. Um, but Pascal has, she's got 20 years of experience in corporate and business law. She served with Fortune 500 multinationals, closely held small businesses, multi-generational family businesses, and growing startups. Um, she has a phenomenal family, a great relationship with her husband on uh, on entrepreneurism, so it'll be a good viewpoint for us to talk through as well. Uh, she has her law degree from UMKC, uh, the Kansas City School of Law, and uh, her community involvement is uh, just fantastic. Uh, as well, and we'll talk through that uh, in the final segment. So I want to bring on the air, Pascal Hen. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. It's great to have you. Uh, okay, so tell us, Brian kind of gave you a flyover of your background, but uh, sure. how, you grew up in Kansas City. You Are you actually, from here? No, I actually I grew up in northeast Iowa, um, so in the small town, Dubuque, Iowa. Okay. Uh, I think we've all, that's a city we've all heard of. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's the gateway to, to the east. It's Wisconsin and <laughs> Illinois. Um, had, had a really fun childhood. My, uh, my dad, uh, was a farm kid from Iowa. My mom, uh, grew up in France. My dad met her while he was in the service over there. So I had this great mix where one summer I might be on my aunt and uncle's farm and the next summer I was in the South of France. So quite a cool childhood. Yeah. Sounds yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Very grateful to my parents. Um, they did a, they, they really made an effort to give us kind of Midwestern solid values as well as um, having spent about every third summer overseas. Um, wow. 
Kind of and give you a different outlook on absolutely. the world and life. Absolutely, absolutely. Brian, um, so you came to Kansas City how, for law school. Is that how you got here? Well, I came actually, I came to Kansas City. I graduated from University of Iowa right. um, and with a burning desire to teach high school in the inner city. So oh. there is no inner city in Iowa, <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I came uh, and I did my student teaching at uh, Schlegel High School, and then I worked at De La Salle in uh, oh, yeah. KCMO. Great place. Um, and spent a couple of years um, working at Alternative School, um, really was passionate about education um, and investing in um, the inner city with at-risk youth. Um, but to be frank, I got, I got frustrated with um, the system, with the school system. So I decided mm-hmm. I needed to go to law school um, to do something that I thought would have a more systemic effect. Um, so I spent um, three years at UMKC Law School and quite naively graduated with a huge debt and realized that education <laughs> was not going to pay my uh, pay my debt off. So being all serious as well is I really got the business bug when I was in law school. So I joined Morrison & Hecker, which is now Stinson, mm-hmm. um, and really learned to practice and work um, in a big law firm. And then over the next 20, 25 years, spent time in-house with large um, corporate law departments as well as with a boutique firm in a, in a large firm. And then about five years ago, um, decided it was it was time to do something else. So what, I st- how did you decide to become an entrepreneur and to open your own shop? Because I know how nerve-wracking that can be and the thoughts you go through. So talk through the pros and cons and what you thought about when you were sure, launching. Sure. So about five years ago, um, my husband has always been an entrepreneur um, since uh, since he came to the States when he was a young man. Um, and he would always ask me, why do you not have your own shop? And I thought, well, that's scary. And, and I'm not sure if I would know, you know, how, if I could do that. Um, in the meantime, I looked at what I really loved doing. And it was working with clients closely with uh with strategy and i did not see i do not i did not see lawyers doing what lawyers do in-house on an outside basis with small mid-sized uh companies Mm -hmm. and in my opinion growth companies small business mid-market businesses need strategic legal more than certainly more than any large companies that that have the ability and the resources to to hire firms dedicated to them or to to grow in-house law departments so I saw a niche in the market that I did not think was being well served. So the idea was if if I could do an outsourced general counsel model and build a team of attorneys really that mimic what you would have in an in-house law department and we could kind of, you know, pay as you play or play as you pay um, with mid-sized companies, we could give them very high-level legal strategic advice within their budget and and but aligned with their business objectives Mm. and what i didn't see is anybody really doing that effectively Mm. and that's kind of how the idea was born which uh, what types of businesses do you work with um on a day-to-day basis uh, that you enjoy working with the most sure so so we have really our our sweet spot and where our passion is is closely held businesses so five owners or less usually it's a founder owner um, or a second generation 
sometimes it's, you know, an acquisition or somebody has been and rolling up a couple of companies strategically. But we really love entrepreneurs. It's the people that are up all night, you know, that, that um, they have the big idea. They are creators. They're innovators. Um, they, they are passionate about what it is they're either buying, selling, or serving others for. Um, and we, we have that same blood. So we are passionate about our clients. Um, you know, sometimes we kind of joke cause it's, you know, there's no boundaries because we know entrepreneurs, I get more emails on a Sunday night than I do on a Monday morning. <laughs> yes, I do too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, we, we live and work the same way that entrepreneurs do. And for that reason, I believe we give good strategic advice aligned with their business interests within their budget mm-hmm. because we want to partner. It's going to be a great show today. Going to have a lot of fun. I really like where we started off. Let's get more into the entrepreneurship angle. Sure. And again, how, how, do you, how do you monetize this as an attorney when you're working with startups? I think that's real interesting as well. You're listening to The Grill Nation Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. Uh, thanks for joining us on 980 AM and on iTunes and podcast today. I appreciate you joining as well at grillnationshow.com where you can find uh, photos of our guests, all of our shows listed out uh, with information about each of our guests as well as our show sponsors and supporters. Um, Pascal Hinn is with us today. Also, Brian Sarf, who is a uh, Grill Nation show partner. Uh, his website is retirewithtrue.com. If you uh, Need help with your uh, planning, fund uh, planning, financial advice, anything you need to make your life better. If you want to make work optional, work optional. <laughs> That's what we do. Talk to Brian. That's what we do. Um, why don't you start off, Brian? I know we were talking about entrepreneurship and and yeah. what kind of clients that I mean, Pascal I, works with. Entrepreneurship is just in my blood. It's what I love to do. It's what I love to talk about. It's a large part of our practice of the clients that we work with. Um, you know, that come in and have businesses set up. So, you know, I've worked with with Pascal with a number of of clients that she's helped along the way and. And what do you see as um, the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs are making? Maybe the top two or three that you see uh, entrepreneurs making out in the in the workplace. Sure. So I I think most entrepreneurs think that they can do everything in their business, regardless of their skill set. And you know, we're very cognizant of budgets and the constraints that that budgets bring. But I think the very skilled entrepreneurs know what they're good at, where their skill set lies, and when to bring in strategic partners and and how to make that, monetize that, if you will. Yeah. And how do you monetize it as a lawyer? I know because a lot of startups mm-hmm. in this community, you know, you're just starting out. You need a lawyer. You know, you maybe can't go to a huge law firm at that point. Too, yeah. It's too high. The hourly the hourly fees are too high. So how do you how do you kind of navigate that? I think that's real interesting because you've been able to grow it very well. You know, uh, to be honest with you, when I when I first started, it was all takers. You know, bring them, mm-hmm. bring everybody, and very entrepreneurial and, of you. Yes, exactly. We'll <laughs> figure it out. We'll you know we'll learn to serve everyone, um, and we still have that attitude. You know, we still are very open to. I mean, 
when I started the firm, at least 10 to 20% of our time we dedicate to pro bono work. And that can be charitable, but it also can be young startups, young entrepreneurs, um, someone who aligns with our passion, our values that we want to mm-hmm. really invest in, in, in a, in a meaningful way. Um, but I'll tell you what I did is I got better and better at judging who I think were going to be folks that we could help and that had really good ideas, had built out infrastructure, had the right personnel. It was really almost as an investor. Mm. You know, the same vetting, if you will, that an investor goes through, we learned to kind of look for clients in that way. So when I first started, like I said, it was every client. And then I, I soon learned that not all clients necessarily match with what, you know, the way we work. So the more selective we got in helping clients that we thought had built out a viable business that we could ride along with because our goal was to partner. We want to partner with you where you are in your business cycle because if you grow, we're going to be able to grow along with you. Mm-hmm. So what are the, the well, talk about the different uh, types of law that you practice because you have multiple sure. attorneys in your office. Yep. That it's not you're not all things right. to all people. No. That you're all things to some. Yeah, and then you have you have attorneys in different areas. So sure. talk about those strategic areas you've picked. Sure, absolutely. So what I learned from being in a large firm and then also being in house for a number of years is I wanted to choose attorneys that had practical in house experience because it's very different being an in house lawyer. Because you don't get two weeks to create, you know, to, to research and write up a memo that then you give to your client and you get to have this discussion about, you know, proposed passport. You have about 45 minutes because mm-hmm. somebody's standing in your door and says, is this legal? And you're like, I don't know, but I'll find out. <laughs> you know, you know? And you got a meeting in 45 minutes. I'll get you something. Um, so you have to be able to think on your feet. You have to be practical I joke that, you know, our answer is never no, it's yes, but. Um, I also have kind of a running joke with clients, you know, so here's going to jail and here's making no money. You tell me where you want to be on the spectrum because you know, those are the two extremes when you're giving legal advice. And so, so I wanted to build out a team that really, short of litigation, any business legal issue that came up we would either be able to handle with our team or we'd get you to somebody in very short order who could advise. So, so companies that want to, they want to sell their business, yep. you know, they want to uh, possibly go public. Yep. Do you work in that area as yeah. well, right? So I we saw do. that on the, on the website, yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. So we do corporate law. And by that, I mean, we form companies, we reorganize companies, we help structure. Um, one of the things that, that small companies often don't realize is important is following some corporate form or having some kind of structure around decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, because often they're working so hard at making money that they don't pay a lot of attention to, um, how decisions are made. And if partnerships start to become stressed, you can go back then later and wish that that operating agreement that you got off legal zoom had been customized to your needs. Um, so we do. Corporate uh, I see. Work. Speaking of operating agreements, I can't tell you the number of entrepreneurs that I visit with that don't have anything in writing. Yeah, they're just running and going. It's all just in their name. Yep, and they're out there, and some are in high risk businesses, and they don't have an LLC set up to protect them. They don't have 
you know, uh, any legal documentation or operating agreements, they're, they're not running with ENO. And that's where we, you know, we kind of call a timeout and say, yeah. all right, hold on. Number one on your list is you need to go sit down with a Pascal and get these things in order yeah. because you're running around and it's just going to be one accident. And now you're out of business and everything you have personally is now open to litigation and, and just, and, and running everything dry. Absolutely. And, and, we see ourselves as both risk managers from a legal standpoint and a strategic standpoint, as well as um, helping them create opportunity. Because often I think entrepreneurs miss opportunity because they don't have structure in place um, or they're taking unnecessary risks. To your point, Brian, um, it takes one bad lawsuit or it takes one bad um you know, one bad incident that they are not legally protected from. And not just the outside of the inside. Oh, with absolutely. Partnerships and with absolutely. Uh, co-founders and in this world, that's complicated. Absolutely. Financial controls are key. Um, and often, and I, I also kind of joke with clients. I said, you know, when you're putting a partnership together, it's like dating. So they're never going to look as good as they do right now. <laughs> you know, you're getting married. So if we don't we don't determine how you're going to resolve disputes and you wait until you have a dispute, that is the worst time to figure out how you're going to manage when you have conflict. Yeah. Um, so if, if we can help them put those processes in place, as well as, to your point, Brian, what do your buy-sells look like? What does your operating agreement look like? What does your governance look like? How are you sharing revenue? How are you making financial decisions? That time spent up front is key to avoiding conflict or at helping resolve conflict because we've also seen the value of business just plummet when you get into a conflict between partners. Um, but, but to finish out your, so we have, so I have a group of attorneys. All of us have general corporate in-house experience, but all of us have expertise and that expertise includes HR advising, um, employment law advising. We have a strong franchise franchisor and franchisee uh, attorney in-house. We manage intellectual property um, and help protect, you know, trade secrets and manage manage brand and trademark. Um, we also have, um, to the extent that real estate, commercial leases are involved in day-to-day operations. We do, we do a lot of, of M&A work, uh, merger and acquisition work, particularly transferring either wealth to a founder owner as they retire or having them acquire companies. Um, we have partners that we help work with culture because anytime you have an HR issue or you're doing merger and acquisition work, um, you're often going to find that the internal soft skills and soft issues might be the things that give you the most risk for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and your website is phbusinesslaw.com. Yes. Yeah. You, you're all in on the business law advisors. That's interesting. Well, and, and I love it. That was very intentional. Yeah. So when I when I started the firm, one, I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to really be about the services and the model, mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to be able to have a have the same experience a client would have an experience, regardless if I was on the file or someone on my team or some combination. And really, what was important to me is that we provide strategic advice. So law in a vacuum is not helpful to business owners, particularly entrepreneurs. So to the extent that there is a business legal issue, we see ourselves as an advisor, as a trusted partner, um, and it's our responsibility to give you good business advice as well as 
you know, legal advice in that framework. Mm. Uh, Jason, I'd like to, after the uh, break that's coming up, um, I want to talk about um, the, the work life that Pascal has built for herself and her family and how she's able to sit on the beach in Greece and still run her <laughs> law practice in Kansas City and talking about having a yeah. virtual and local presence uh, in law. It's quite fascinating, and uh, I know many of uh, the fellow entrepreneurs out there dream of having a, a setup like that. I think yeah. many attorneys dream of that, too. Uh, yeah. At least the ones I saw in court all the time when I yeah. was practicing a lot, uh, especially the ones that were with me at uh, 7 o'clock at the uh, Smithfield Municipal Court or the uh, <laughs> yeah. Kansas City Municipal yeah, yeah. Court. Um, yeah. And we're going to go to break in a second, but I like your outside general counsel as well, mm-hmm. that branding. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I've never had a, seen it phrased like that. And I hadn't either, and that's why I wanted to create the firm that did that. Really interesting. Yeah. Uh, again, the website is phbusinesslaw.com. Um, Pascal Hen is with us, as well as Brian Sarf, who's with True, uh, True Wealth and Company. Their website is retirewithtrue.com. Joins me each and every month, brings on great guests. Uh, we talk about fascinating subjects, and I'm excited to have another great show here uh, today on The Grill Nation Show on 980 AM. We're going to be right back from break here in a second. We're going to talk more with Pascal Hen. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill, uh, 980 AM and on iTunes and podcast and at grillnationshow.com. Joined today again by one of my uh, guest hosts and partners of the Grill Nation show, Brian Sarf with uh, True Wealth and Company. The website is retirewithtrue.com. Um, Pascal Hinn is with us as well today. She is an awesome uh, law firm here in Kansas City. We need to make sure we let people know that's Missouri and Kansas. Yes. You can mm-hmm. serve people in both exactly. states. Uh, phbusinesslaw.com. And Brian's going to start us off. We really want to get talking to you about that work-life balance here because it's every uh, attorney's dream, every entrepreneur's dream, everyone's dream, basically, is how do you do that? And Brian helps people with that every day. Well, and it's it's just what, what you want to build as an entrepreneur because if you just stay, you know, nose to the grindstone, you don't take any vacation, you don't take any free time, and you don't schedule it, um, you'll burn yourself out. I learned it from Dan Sullivan. Um, and, uh, you know, strategic coach out of Chicago, and now he has an office up in Toronto and L.A., and his advice is you have to schedule your free days at the beginning of the year of what days are you going to take off that are your free days, what days are going to be your power days that you're going to get a ton of work done, and those are going to be your high days, and what days are your cleanup days in between where you're able to get paperwork done and follow up on all the other things that hit your plate, and knowing when you come out of the shoot every week, where those days fall, and then when you're on your free day, you're on your free day. You're not on your free day on your laptop with your family at Disney World trying to get some work done. Now you've got to plan through that. Um, and so the balance that Pascal has and what she's been able to build in her life has always been an inspiration for me. And I just wanted her to share you know, her story from her mentor, Nancy, and how she got to the point of, of making that switch and, and starting to build this balance that she has today. Sure. When was that magic moment? So... I take I, I that moment really I, I look back. Um, lawyers, you know, entrepreneurs by by either self selection or by personality, hard charging, work all the time, um, very driven, very focused. Mm-hmm. So there was there was a um, time in 
would have been 2000, uh, it would have been 2002. Um, I was eight and a half months pregnant. I was in New York City. This was in the night. Oh, it was 2002. I didn't have a laptop, so I am, I am hauling bankers boxes full of documents for a deposition. Um, and I'm in New York City. And all of a sudden, and my doctor would have killed me if she'd have known I'd flown. And I didn't. Are you care. are you jumping in a cab at this point? Oh yeah, I, and I'm trying to <laughs> and I'm trying to talk this cabbie into helping me, you know. And and so I'm trying to schlep these these boxes, and I got a deposition. And I realized it was one of those moments, and I thought, what am I doing? I'm gonna have a baby in New York City <laughs> just solely because. I was stubborn, and I decided I needed to take this deposition. I'm like picturing were, this in my mind. I have the whole photo oh, right now. Oh, yeah. And the stress just had to have been. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. And, and you know, it was one of those clear moments, and I realized my, my daughter was about two and a half, and I had not seen her awake for about four or five days, maybe a week. Mm-hmm. And I would leave in the morning before she was up. I'd come home at night, and she was in her crib. And I'm pregnant with my second, and I – and risking my health and his, really, if I was if I was honest about it, purely because I felt that if I missed this deposition, then I wasn't going to get to go to trial, and if I didn't go to trial, I wasn't going to grow my career and all of that. Um, and that was really the beginning of making a commitment to work life balance. Um, so I was practicing in a litigation firm at that time. I came back and I reconnected with a woman who had been a partner at my first law firm. Um, by the name of Nancy Shelley. Um, she's still at, at, uh, now she's at CenturyLink. Um, and at, she's running some department because Nancy, you know, that's how Nancy's always running something. But she was an incredible mentor to me. Um, and pushed me to be highly, um, ambitious and focused. But also, there's just an unwritten rule that family's always first. And what I find, particularly with entrepreneurs, is, we are very good at certain things and we do not at the same time prioritize our health. You know, we don't eat the way we should. We don't get in the gym the way we should. We don't sleep the way that we should. Um, we often by default deprioritize the most important people in our family. And I mean, there's, there's a joke among lawyers. It's like, which marriage are you on? I'm not sure I know any lawyers that aren't divorced. Or how many therapists do you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, you, have, you, have you conquered alcoholism yet? Because it's like one of yeah. the most prevalent in any Absolutely. career there is. Highest profe- high, highest number of alcoholics are, are, are lawyers yeah. uh, by profession. So but I, that's the, you know, but I think a lot of that comes out of when you look at, at um, a lot of the corporate structures that exist, that the corporation's first. That, you know, if you get an email at 530, you're expected to have an answer Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Uh, You're working late at night. I know that all of my friends that are working at corporations across the country, you work late at night, you work weekends, you work mornings. You got your your emails in your pocket on your phone all the time, um, and you're expected to get back. And it's no longer, you know, when I began my career without cell phones and those things years ago that, you know, you would just – you know, you, you, you had your work during the day that you yeah. took care of, and the next morning you'd handle it. But now Brilliant. it's like if you get an email at 7 or 8 o'clock at night and I don't tell somebody that I received it, then they're upset in the morning. They're calling me going, why didn't you answer my email? Well, yeah. I'm at home. I had, You know, I had volleyball with my daughter. Yeah. It, was her, it was her birthday yeah. and on and on and on. And, and, uh, and sometimes we forget in this world to get that immediately. And I think that coming out of the corporate world, you were in a pretty – Yep. You know, tight structure of what you were running and very regimented, and your husband yep. really was a, uh, um, a a force in your life to say, "Hey, 
We need to take a break. Absolutely. And get out of here. We're going to do this differently. And, and to your point, Brian, you know, especially as attorneys, but it's not, you know, it's not limited to attorneys. You either have a corporate, you know, you either have a, especially executives or, or professionals, you have a corporate option or with lawyers, you have a, you have a firm option. And I did not see the other, you know, the, the other thing that I am very committed to is creating an environment, particularly for women, because what I saw is that female attorneys within, and the statistics are within seven years, they, they, the um, statistics are that in seven years, the majority of female attorneys are off partnership track because they opt out because they're usually, you know, professional couple, both hard charging. By that time, you've had a couple kids. And for families to hold, stay together, you have to have some balance. And so traditionally, you choose one of you to take lead. And that is often the husband, um, you know, if it's a husband and wife situation um, or women just find that you pick up and you take on, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a nanny, doesn't matter if you have a house cleaner, you're still figuring out which permission slips need to get signed. <laughs> you know, you're still managing kids or you're managing other things in your life. So and and what I what I'm very encouraged about, and, you know, going back to being pregnant, eight and a half months pregnant both times when I was pregnant, I was the first female attorney um, in my department or in my firm to take maternity leave because they hadn't they hadn't had one before. So how that work out? Exactly. So I got to go in and negotiate, you know, and <laughs> and and you know I can tell stories all day long about you know I was back on the road after four weeks after my daughter was born. Wow. You know, and because it, if you want to be a player, yep. you had to step up. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I am very committed to and the reason that I've built the firm the way I have, and it happens to be all women, um, I wanted to create an environment where people could honor their families, they could honor their own health and wellness, and they could also be excellent, competent lawyers. So I've actually built a bench that we have redundancy in every law, in every area of law. And every attorney has the option of how many hours they want to work. I have attorneys that work 25 hours a week. I have attorneys that work 50 hours a week. I have some attorneys on an outsource base that work 20 hours a month. But that gives me a really deep bench and it gives me great expertise. But I've had attorneys that have had children. I've had attorneys who have taken care of aging parents who then have taken care of, you know, having lost a parent, taking care of the surviving parent. Um, the rule of my firm is if you are on vacation, there's no email, there's no text, and there's no voicemail. If we can't cover you for a week or two, then I haven't built out a sustainable model. So hmm. I felt very, very committed to that. To mm-hmm. your point, mm-hmm. Brian, when, when I started the firm, I really started the firm because my husband, who comes from former Eastern Bloc, communist country, when he came to the States, he literally got off the plane and was like, this is the land of opportunity. <laughs> if you cannot make money in this country, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Because where he came from, Albania, which was one of the poorest or actually the poorest of the former Soviet Eastern Bloc countries, if you come to this country and you have the ability to work, um, the opportunity really is endless. So when when I'm going through these ideas about building an ideal firm for attorneys to work in, as well as what I hoped was answering a business need in a market that I had not seen the law. Um, I had not seen firms grow um, an outsourced general counsel model. 
he was the person who said, and he has built five different companies. I mean, he builds them and flips them and, you know, so I couldn't say to him, you don't understand. You don't get it because he got it. He got it and he did it and he did it successfully. So, you know, what he did is he pushed me to build a model that I can get up and leave and I can be gone for months at a time overseas. Talk about the first time when he said, I will, I will. We're going to go, we're going to go over to Greece for three months and take the kids. Exactly. And and you just started your, you were about a year and a half, two years into your first, into your practice. And we got about 50 seconds left. So we'll we'll carry this on to the next segment too. Perfect. Give us a, give us a teaser. I'll give you the short. Yes. So, so he's, so we have, so he was in, uh, he sought asylum in Greece and then came to the States after that. So he's, he spent about two years in Greece, which is, the land of milk and honey. I mean, it's the most beautiful. I've traveled all over and it's just phenomenally beautiful. So he says to me, it's, it's spring. And he's like, well, I think we need to go to Greece for the summer. And I look at him. I said, well, we can't, what are you talking about? I just started a firm a, a, a year and a half ago. You can't do that. Those are the rules. He's like, what rules? I don't have any rules in my world. So we had a, a lively discussion. Otherwise probably called an argument about whether or not that was going to be viable um, I like how you phrase that. Yeah, exactly. A lively yeah. discussion, <laughs> yeah, exactly. otherwise called an argument. Yeah. So well, two and a half years uh, later, I'll tell you how. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. going to be fun. To, we're going to catch up with that here after the break. You're listening to Grill Me. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today. Uh, you connect with me on Twitter, at Jason Grill. Uh, again, we're with Brian Sarf. Uh, he's a, a guest host and contributor to the Grill Nation show. And Pascal Hinn, who is uh, an awesome lawyer here in Kansas City. Her website is phbusinesslaw.com. Um, you were talking about a story about your husband in Greece and all, all the great things that he kind of changed your mindset. <laughs> Absolutely. Pick After up there. the lively discussion. Yeah, yes. exactly. Well, and, and so another, what happened then? How yeah, did that work out? So, so it, just to give you context, we kind of joke because when I, so my husband's from Albania and the way I describe Albanians, they're like Italians, only louder. So, mm. so is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Uh, yeah. So what we joke, we, we often have a conversation where I'll say, well, you know, I don't mean to argue with you. And he's like, what do you mean argument? He's like, this is just a discussion. <laughs> We're just talking. So going back to the, to the story, um, you know, he, we sat down and he's like, well, you know, this summer, I think we need to take the kids to Greece. They're at an age. This was about three years ago. Three, yeah. Three, about three years ago. He's like, we need to take the kids to Greece. And I think we should spend the summer there. And, you know, I, I told him, I said, are you crazy? I said, I just started a firm. I'm busting my butt. I'm working 100 hours a week trying to build a, a client base. If I leave, the whole thing is going to implode. He said, one, no, it won't. You'll be, you know, if you want, this is a marathon, not a sprint. If you want to run this and do it well, you are going to have to learn to get some balance and you're going to have to set aside time and you're going to have to make this a priority because otherwise you're going to wake up like most Americans and you're going to be 65 and your kids aren't going to come home anymore because you haven't spent any time with them. You're not going to be healthy and you're frankly not going to be very happy. So there's, you don't have to do it this way. So that took, we discussed that for a long time. And I and he said, what happens? You lose half your clients, grow another half. You know, we're in a situation where we can afford to do this. So, so That's let's a big do paradigm it. Shift for you. It was a huge paradigm shift because not only growing up in the Midwest with good Midwestern work ethic 
Work harder than the other guy absolutely. or gal, and you'll be successful, right? You just That's work. grew up like that. Absolutely, you just overwork everybody. You know, you outwork everybody. But there's this idea that time off is wasted time, and that if you don't if you don't run ahead of the pack constantly, that you're going to get behind. Mm-hmm. What I had to learn, and what has proven to be true, is if you do not take time, you cannot pace. I mean, it's just like running. If you don't pace and you don't know how to have some balance, you will burn out um, or you won't you won't optimize your abilities. So we, in fact, got on a plane and we spent three months in Greece um, on an island on the west where we ended up buying property because it was amazing. Um, and my kids were there and that, you know, they were school age. They spent three months in Greece. And we traveled all over. Um, we basically lived there, which changes another whole paradigm shift because, you know, my kids were playing soccer with the kids in the village. Didn't have any Greek, but they learned to get along. They, they need soccer. Yeah, exactly. So what, was the, what was your uh, your shift at the end of the summer? You know, it, it was looking back. a number of things. One, there really are no rules. You can create whatever you want. You live by the rules you set. Absolutely. That's a, and if you if you take on somebody else's rules, then you're going to be living their life. So if your goal is to have three months out of the year where you live in a foreign country, then you've got to build out a business that allows you to do it. What I learned was it's not easy because I would travel home about every three weeks. What I would I call it spinning the plates. I would fly in on Sunday night. I would start Monday morning at eight a.m. and I would do. Th- Four days of nonstop 12-hour days. I'd make sure I touched every, to Brian's point, we were talking during the break about referral partners. You know, I made sure that I connected with everybody who was critical to the firm. I made sure my attorneys were good. I made sure basically my house was in order. Everybody had me when they needed me. The other thing I did, I was very structured about access to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I literally have pictures where I'm on the beach with a laptop. Mm-hmm. I got an email from you while you were there. Yeah, exactly. And I go, well, this is fantastic. Like, we're going to talk office. more about this. Yeah. yeah, here's my office, and I got you know the yeah, I've got the sea behind yeah. me. And, and you I didn't lose drink. half your clients, did you? I didn't. As a matter you of fact, grew your practice. I doubled my clients. I had some of the best months, and and my husband said, "Do you see?" And I said, "Yeah, I get it," because I came back and I was on fire. And I also had, I was forced to build a structure that was sustainable without me being there in the office 12 hours a day. As long as I was disciplined about being, you know, connectivity and being available when needed, I also delegated decisions, critical decisions to my team so they didn't have to sit and wait for me. And I said, I trust your judgment more, you know, so you make a decision. I would rather have you make a decision and possibly disagree with what you did than to not make a decision within these parameters. Mm-hmm. So you empower people to make decisions. You give authority. Huge. And then at the end of the day, you make sure people can get to you when they need to. And then you, but you also give people direction. You can't just throw them out there and then second guess what they've done. Well, your strategic uh, partner network is pretty incredible. And I think that's where you, you built that from the beginning when you came out running and going. And that's how we originally met. Yep was yeah. when you were building your business network. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and talk about how you how you built that network and, sure. and, and what you do today to nurture it and keep it running because that is the lifeblood of a lot of service businesses is their strategic network and, you know, and, and frankly, any business, it's their absolutely. network that refers people there. You know, I, I think your core values, I believe that you will attract and you should serve and do business with people who have core values that are similar to your own. So – 
one of my philosophies is you always give, you know, kind of the go-giver, you know, that idea that if you are generous, um, if you are committed to serving others, you will align with and do business with people who have like values. And that's why, you know, Brian, you and I get along so well because I have seen how you serve your clients. I have seen the types of people with the ethics and the morals and the, and, and the commitment to doing the right thing. It's easy to do business with people like that. You know, if you send me somebody and they're in need, we're going to make sure they get served and we're going to make sure they have a good experience. And if they don't, I want to hear about it because we'll fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, community services are part of that. Um, it is a great privilege to be an entrepreneur, but it's also a great privilege to be a professional and live in an affluent country. Um, so when building out a referral network, I always look for people who have a similar service minded um, attitude about life. I look for positivity. I look for people who um, are committed to treating others well. And when you, but also very entrepreneurial, um, the referral partners who I align with best are those people who understand that I, I want to send business to you, but you are also going to reciprocate and send business to me. Mm-hmm. And that makes it easy, yeah, you know, and absolutely. instead of having a hundred people that I am chasing, I might have 12 key partners and, you know, we refer to each other because I trust you're going to treat people well and have seen that you do so. So that has been my philosophy um, I think that's the biggest fear of, of entrepreneurs on referring each other is that um, you're worried about your reputation. Absolutely. Because who you refer somebody to, it's an extension of your business and your brand and your reputation. Absolutely. And you're worried about the follow-up and the communication and, you know, is my client just going to call back and be upset and, and those things. And when you build a strong partnership with a tight-knit group like you have, um, yeah. you know, you're part of our uh, referral group yeah. called Top of the Torch that we've built at True of our close strategic partners we work with. Um really, really drives the, the lifeblood of the business and love having you here today. I know we're coming okay. to the end of the show and, and I just love to have a time to visit with you and say hello and, and introduce oh. you to the rest of Kansas City that hasn't met you already. I appreciate it very, very much. Um, we've, we've enjoyed having you on the show today. Um, Pascal Hinn, thank you so much. Brian Sarf, True Wealth. Yes, sir. Uh, retirewithtrue.com. Yep. Thanks for uh, always bringing on great guests. And we'll I've, I've been ty- typing down notes to uh, promote the show, but also to uh, for myself. <laughs> ah, very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> it's been a great hour. I appreciate both you guys coming in. And Brian, Absolutely. obviously appreciate your partnership with the show. Yes, sir. And next month, uh, we have penciled in Lamar Hunt Jr. Oh, great. So here we go. Here we go. We're, we're off and very rolling good. here. I love it. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you so much, both of you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Grill Nation show. We'll see you again next week. Take care. Yeah.